I'm it, not sure the smell of stale beer in a in a plastic trash bag is like a great calling card for a craft brewer. Maybe maybe <laughs> not, but it definitely gives you an idea of okay, this is this is possible. I mean, this is oh, yeah. that's what a bar yeah. smells like. That's what the floor of a brewery smells like yeah. at the end of a day, at the end of yeah. a week of canning. So it's just you know it's 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 definitely part of it. That was not the answer I expected. Yeah, me either. <laughs> Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Life is all or nothing. Don't forget to seek and pray. Peaceful direction in this unity. Strap on Survival Kit. No drugs inside of you. Fly the soul craft on your own. Don't miss this soul craft. Sounds like a pretty fucking good way of life, man. Is it though? Is life all or nothing? I guess I mean, that's how you look is. at it, right? But it is life. That's all you have. Life is all or nothing. If you don't have life, you have nothing. If you have life, you have everything. It kind of is. You either have to live it or you don't, right? Right. That's why it's all or nothing. So it's your perspective on life is all or nothing. And I suppose right? that's like, in how you're going to live it. True. Okay, the next line. Don't forget to seek and pray. I mean, I think that's however you see something bigger than you. Well, and I think that can be taken a lot of ways. I mean, I, for a lot of people, it's going to be very straightforward and like a religious kind of overtone maybe. But pray... Pray is a pretty wide open thing, really. It's not like that's exclusive to religion. To me, the seek and pray is kind of like what's out there and bigger than you and like with yeah. your purpose, kind of. Yeah, I think so, too. Don't oh. Life is all or nothing. Live it, but don't forget to look at the big picture sometimes, right? Yeah. Like look in, into the future, towards the future. Okay. And speaking of purpose, there is actually a purpose to this. Um, yes. Keep going. Peaceful direction in this unity. I don't understand that in 2022. <laughs> Unity is kind of an oxymoron. There. Yeah. What, 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 what? Huh? Peaceful direction. Yeah. There's not a lot of that and there's not a lot of unity. Wait, it feels... though. Think about like we're in the beer, right? Talking about beer and you can talk across the aisles with beer. And then if you, you can have a good conversation over beer. And so wouldn't that kind of be that unity? Like you can have unity be, yeah. over a good beer or a good beverage. I think so, but it can also be this, I don't know, you can interpret it too, like life is all or nothing, this is what you got, live it. But don't forget to look towards the future too, because like, just because tomorrow isn't happening right now doesn't mean it's not going to happen for you necessarily. Okay. But that could be the unity of those ideas, you know, this like peaceful direction in the unity of thinking of living for today, but also thinking of tomorrow. Okay. There's like a peaceful direction there, you know. Next. Strap on survival kit. Strap I mean, you need a survival, survival kit. kit. You need something that's going to help you get through the day, get through the minute, get through, I mean, the week, the month. And that survival kit could be literally a survival kit if you're backpacking, or it could just be something that supports you or someone that supports you. That's your survival kit is the people that are surrounding you to support okay. you. And I think that is a pretty good take on it. And kind of plays into the next line which is no drugs inside of you which is kind of the whole straight edge thing right because i think that's 
where this comes from with Bad Brains, I believe, was a straight edge band. Okay, so I we didn't even mention that that, but... that this is coming from oh, a song. I just spoiled it. <laughs> you oh, did. Man, we were supposed to throw out like the million dollar. Qu- sorry, I ruined the million dollar contest. I'm sorry. Okay, anyhow, anyway. I suppose we can keep that like just <laughs> straight away as to what it is. I mean, no drugs inside of you. Yeah. I mean, I that's probably a pretty straightforward thing. Is like, but you know, the strap on survival kit, no drugs inside of you. Because you're not using, like, drugs to support you. You're using your, in air quotes, your survival kit, the people that have surrounded you that support you instead of drugs. How about well, that? Well, and that's funny because we, we're talking, we're on a craft beer podcast right now, right? Craft beer, travel and adventure. But craft beer, beer, alcohol, it's a drug. Yeah. It is. And we got plenty of that one inside of us. <laughs> but but I think no drugs inside. I, I get that. The whole straight edge ethos is like, you know, don't put any of that in you, period. But I think, you know, obviously lyrics, music, poetry, whatever you want to look at it is open to interpretation. And my interpretation is that don't put so much of that and don't let that be your controlling factor. Anyway, then it just goes into the whole crux of the song, the chorus of the song. Fly the soul craft on your own. Don't miss this soul craft. And soulcraft is what? Life? I, I don't know. I think probably, but that's, I think soulcraft is pretty wide open, a pretty wide open thing. Cause I mean, before they put the song out, soulcraft, who went around saying soulcraft, talking about soulcraft, what was it? Did, was there somebody that said something about soulcraft? Like what is a soulcraft? I don't know. I've never heard know. this song or this band before in my life until Mike from Soulcraft in Salida. Right. You knew about you knew the beer it. before the, so. you knew Soulcraft beer before you knew Soulcraft the song. Right? And now you know where yeah. we're coming from because okay, so he may not have like directly, you know, when he was fifteen years old, understood that when he was listening to Bad Brains, is that what he had said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, that's the band. Probably he I would imagine didn't full on understand that he was going to name his brewery Soulcraft from that song. Oh, he didn't I'm sure actually. He didn't, yeah. He'll tell the story about that. But there's something in there when you're in your like middle school, high school years, there's something in uh, there that sticks with you. Music? Yeah. Totally with music. I mean, my middle school and high school years were like probably like 75% dominate, well, probably 50% dominated by music and like 30 or 40% dominated by girls. And what's the other percentage? (laughs) Um, Eating and sleeping and uh, existing. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, I mean, music was hugely formative for me in in those middle school years. And that's how it was, I would imagine. That's what Mike was even talking about, too. So um, obviously, we're going to be talking with Mike from Soulcraft, um, and that's in Salida. So we're excited to get another brewery in Salida, Colorado. But yeah, because they're all good. Yeah, I they mean, are all good. they're just and he's know. he's he'll tell you this too. He's like one of the he's like the OG for the most part in the Salida craft oh, yeah. beer scene. And yeah. so he's this the story when we talk to Mike, this story is definitely about him, but it's also like a story of Salida's beer scene. Well, speaking of the Salida beer scene, too, um, what about it? What about it? Yeah. What about it is that if you're catching this podcast as it's fresh, uh, we got the Brewer's Rendezvous coming up in Salida. Ooh, I love the Brewer's Rendezvous. Oh, I know. This is like one of my favorite brew fests of ever. Really. When is it? 
Where is it? When, when is, is it? Where is it? It's in Salida. <laughs> Salida. <laughs> we did say Salida already. Salida, Colorado. How much Brewers drinky have we had? Rendezvous. <laughs> Brewers Rendezvous in Salida, July 9th. That, that is, if you're listening to this before July 9th in 2022, you should come there and hang out with us. And like, this is really a fun brew fest because like, obviously, if you guys have listened to us at all, you know we love Salida. So like, we're not going to bombard you with more Salida stuff, but except it is a great freaking place. I, I love this brew fest because it's just like, it gets a lot of the best breweries in Colorado together and a lot of the head brewers show up and they try to one up each other with their best beers on tap, you know, like with everybody and, but it's fun. It's a it's, community building kind of festival. That it's they outdoors do. on the river and beautiful slide yeah. on the, in the mountains. Like it's, yes, it's very pretty. It's a lot of fun. And we should start talking to Mike. <laughs> we probably should. Yeah. Cause it, it was a great interview and he would just talk about different things and bands and his, his connect, like his connection to bad brains and all that kind of stuff. And not that I was overly connected to bad brains cause I wasn't, but just it the just music made thing. me, yeah, I guess it's the music thing and probably, the, probably. And just, just him talking a little bit about, I mean, not a whole lot, but just a little bit about how the things in middle school kind of like come full circle and come back around. And it mm -hmm. just makes you kind of go backwards a little bit into your own, I guess what I call formative years. Yeah, because I think that's a time that we all, I don't know, the, it makes you think later in life. It's a point you always go back to because I guess it's a point you remember a lot of things. And when you're younger than that from like, say, a kindergarten or three years old or six years old or whatever, it's like I don't have a lot of clear memories of that. But you do have middle school? I have a lot more clear memories of middle school, yeah. Is that good or bad? Because I don't. And I'm wondering if you're lucky or not lucky because my memories of middle school are very, very foggy and I don't remember much at all. Probably because I moved around a lot and you were stationary. That's true. Yeah, it could have something to do with that. But, I mean, most of my memories that I'm thinking of are, I mean, I do have a lot of memories of friends and doing things together and different I don't know, guess different events that happened during those times, um, going on vacation with my best friend and with his grandparents and driving up through like Yellowstone and then up into Montana and stuff like that. And, but also probably mostly I have a strong music association with those years, really, really strong. And I think a lot of that has to do with my best friend too. Cause my best friend Dennis at that time and like, we were both totally enamored with music and all kinds of music. We had a focus on hard rock and heavy metal, but we also listened to, and this is going to date me very much, Journey and Flock of Seagulls and bands like that back then. But Who cares if it dates you? Okay. I'm 51 and proud of it. Hell yeah, and I'm 22 and proud of it. Kenny's 52 and proud of it. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. And we, a long time ago, it seems <laughs> like, we're trying to get to Mike. So here's Mike. <laughs> we're going to yeah. let Mike from Soulcraft chat you up. Here's Mike. We're here with Mike LaCroix from Soulcraft in Salida. And we're happy to have you. Thanks for being here and thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Um, that was like probably the most formal beginning we really ever had on our podcast. I don't know what to do with that. I mean... <laughs> I'm just amazed it's taken us this long to get together with you to do a podcast because we've been coming to Soulcraft since before we moved into our RV, before we started a podcast, before all that stuff. Yeah. It's been a favorite for a long time. 
Maybe we should let him explain why, why we like it. Like, why do we think you're so cool? Like, what's really cool about this? And what's the story behind Soulcraft? <laughs> I guess for this, the story, the, the origin of Soulcraft was just um, a need for expanding um, production of beer that I was brewing at a previous business at Amica's Pizza. Mm -hmm. We just couldn't keep up with the, de the demand, and we were pushing greater wholesale into some small packaging and um, a lot of self-distribution in the area. And we just, we tried really hard um, to expand Amica's um, as far as finding another location for a brewery. And it just never really came together because everything had a limitation downtown and we didn't want it to be disconnected uh, wholly from Amica's because of the fact that we wanted that continuity to, to see where the beer was made and have it be close to the, the you know, the restaurant as well. So. After 15 years there, I realized, you know, I've probably been there long enough and needed to just branch out on my own. And so I found a group of investors and we started searching for property here in town. And at the time, everything was kind of in flux. Prices were on the surge and there, this property here became available and I knew the landlord. And so it wasn't uh, what we were thinking originally. We wanted to be downtown, but it it worked out great. We were able to secure an awesome lease and we have a, a pretty prime location and so we made it work. I think with the the way the breweries are spread out around Salida and Poncha Springs and the surrounding area it's like a perfect fit because you have elevation coming down from Monarch and then you can keep coming here and you get you know Soulcraft at Highway 50 and then downtown you got Trace Litros and Amicas and like because you're brewing Moonlight. for Amicas and then Moonlight's down there like it's a pretty good spread of breweries and I think the town supports all of them really well. Yeah, it, that's absolutely right. And trying to find a, a, another location downtown without feeling like, you know, you're muscling somebody else out at this point was really tough. A lot of people suggested locations pretty close to Moonlight and I didn't want to do that to those guys. It just didn't feel right because they're such good friends and it just would have been kind of cheesy to do something like that. So. so Amicus Pizza is a really well-known pizza place here. It's very good. Um, so then, so they were brewing their own beer because you were there brewing well, he was the beer. Brewing you were beer. brewing <laughs> beer, correct? And so the history of Amicus is, is was one of the original Il Vicino restaurants. Okay. And oh, so okay. and that was so this store was started in '94, uh, and it was one of the original. I think one of the original three uh, uh, Il Vicinos that were started. I think the original was in uh, Santa Fe or Albuquerque, I believe it was Albuquerque. And so when it sold in 2002, they shut down for a brief period to rebrand and kind of go and clean up and repaint and do some things to make it into Amicas. And I was hired day one to be the brewer. So I left my job in Golden and came down here and uh, started brewing on weekends at first and then um, just kind of moved down here full time in 2000. So, and now you brew the beer for Amicas at Soulcraft? Some of them. Okay. Uh, we, we're kind of, and we share, some of them have different names, like our sentimental that we have on tap is the Headwaters IPA recipe that I came up with. And so I kind of inherited the recipes from Il Vicino, and a lot of the locals didn't want to see those beers go away. So I kept making those beers, and so I think that's been uh, a question from a lot of folks like why do you make these beers why do you still make these beers um, they're not like necessarily outrageous or pushing the envelope in terms of style but we also believe in simple things done well and so some of those beers they, they have been unbeknownst to a lot of people they've changed and been refined and we've tr uh, done a lot of trials with yeasts and different malts and uh, different bittering and so it's that we've always been still trying to craft these beers 
And so we do, I think, four of the original uh, Amica's recipes that I created over there. Well, and I think that's one of the great things right now where we're at with craft beer, especially in Colorado, is it's been around long enough now that, you know, it isn't the point of always just coming up with something new and crazy or whatever. A lot of things, like you're saying, you're refining recipes and really dialing things in. Like years ago, West Coast IPA was like, how bitter can you make it? How many IBUs can I say I have in my beer? And it's like a race to the IBUs. And like at some point that's just futile and it also ruins the beer. <laughs> but now, you know, like like sentimental is, I'd say in that West Coast category, but it's like so refined and such a good balanced beer. Yeah, we try yeah. to, uh, we, we try to, brew the beers that we want to drink and that was one of the ones that we kept tweaking at Amica's um, and you know a lot of things change with the advent of new hop varieties available sometimes they change your beer sometimes they enhance your beer um, and with uh, Simcoe and Citra being more widely available to smaller breweries in the spot market especially we were able to start using those in the dry hopping in that beer and it really brought it around and so we we're they just made it a better beer so we've always stuck with that after that so well, I'm glad you split from Amika's to start Soulcraft because you fit, you really did fill a need here. Because before, you, I mean, you had Amika's, which pizzeria and brewery, and we've got Moonlight too, which is a pizzeria and brewery that are both fine and really good at what they do. But this was probably the first in Salida proper, like, taproom brewery, right? I think so, yeah. As far as I can recall, I, d I mean, we've got elevation up the road in Puncha Springs, but right. still not quite here in town in Salida. Right, yeah. It, yeah, this was a very fortunate situation to have this location. We weren't sure how it was going to work out. It wasn't our ultimate dream because we don't own the building uh, quite yet. Mm -hmm. We're in the process of trying to buy this. And I, I know we eventually will end up with it, um, and we can, you know, steer toward more what we want to do, which we have a big vision for it. So, um, some expansions for the future, certainly with um, the restaurant side of things, because that's just a, a big part of any uh, business on the highway, especially. It's, but um, yeah, it's um, with uh, being located out here it seems like a lot of people um, are inspired a lot more people are fixing up their businesses on the highway and the city's actually proposing what they're calling the future 50 project which is just to try to make the highway corridor a lot nicer and it's a it's probably another seven to eight years out but it's going to be a lot more uh, pedestrian and bike friendly and it's going to possibly slow traffic down and it's just going to be a lot more people uh, able to walk into our place and so we're, we're excited about that it's like perfect timing for when we actually decide to move here <laughs> right <laughs> after we're done with all our travels and we come here this is yeah it'll be perfect yeah we do know no. another major pedestrian crossing is going to bring people from the other side of the highway right onto our property that's, nice. that was this is the location they've picked so far so well and that's kind of cool because i mean this is getting a little deep in the woods on like city planning and all that kind of stuff but you know salida is one of those towns like a lot of smaller towns in this country that need the the locals and the tourism and you have this unique character here but to find that balance and strike that balance without ruining what's here is a really tough thing to do and I think developing this Highway 50 area is great because the businesses are already here so if you can just kind of upscale things a little bit or, or just clean you know make it nicer and more uh, like you said, foot traffic friendly and things like that. Yep. Then you don't have to go out and expand into areas that are now, 
you know, wildlife and stuff and take over those areas, hopefully. But You don't want deer in the brewery? We actually... Uh, we're going to have deer. <laughs> if you know Salida. They come right up to the back door all oh, the time. In Salida, you have deer everywhere. Yeah. yeah. No, we had, a, we had a spike buck out the back door the other day that was eating spent grain and yeah. was not afraid of anybody. And it, it actually, oh, yeah. it was... Uh, uh, very curious, and I thought was going to maybe wander into the brewery that day. <laughs> that is one of the most interesting things in Salida is how many deer just roam around the town. But you, I don't know. I never hear or see of anything like they're getting hit by a car or anything because everybody's very well aware of them here. They are, and the deer just for some reason they have a different awareness than deer that are out on the highway, deer that are in other areas. I, I don't know what it is, but every time I see a deer that's been hit, it's usually closer to BV. And nothing against BV. Sorry, BV guys. It's not, it's not your fault. The BV deer have no brains. <laughs> the deer have a, 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 an awareness of like what's going on. I just think there's a lot more probably wildlife crossings in general that they've actually now mitigated. They've actually put up mm -hmm. wildlife fences um, on that section of 285 so that they can only cross in certain places. Otherwise, yeah, there's always... And now there's a huge elk herd in the area closer to Salida that's um, been in close contact with a lot of cars, unfortunately, this year. So yeah, we've seen a few elk. We saw them on the side of the highway where they're talking about. We saw the elk. Yeah, I saw some elk a little bit. Well, I mean, you are in the So you've been valley. here now, Salida, what, 20 years-ish? 20 years, yep. So first of all, what brought you here and then um, what kept you here? Well, um, bringing, uh, I've been coming to Salida since the early 90s and just um, okay. on just passing through and uh, I always thought it was kind of a cool place um, the the river was one of my attractions and just being a rock hound too used to climb around uh, okay. in the collegiates and looking for um, aquamarines and smoky quartz and things like that um, and um, my daughter and her mother ended up here and so I wanted to just still be a dad so I decided to you know try to find a job here and so at the time, Il Vicino was still um, in business and the brewer wasn't looking for any help. And so I was trying to find anything in the area. So I actually applied to the first brew pub in Leadville. It's first first kind of craft beer brew pub, I should say, just because Leadville has a history of breweries in the, from the old days. Um, and um, I was planning on li living in Leadville and, you know, just seeing my kid on the weekends and mm -hmm. ended up just moving here uh, after uh, Il Vicino sold. So um, that was that was the primary part. And then just it was really easy for me to integrate down here because I've lived in small towns before and I was already working in a small brewery that had a ton of dairy equipment. So I was already attuned to the um, what I knew I was going to have to do in terms of maintenance and innovation just to make <laughs> everything work every day. So I was already doing that at Golden City. And so, yeah, it just seemed like a good fit. And I was treated very well by the owner of Amicas. And um, the community was very tough when I first moved here. Everybody, yeah. I mean, I was the only brewer in the county. And so oh, everybody wow, really? was curious about me. And I'm not an in-your-face kind of person. I'm very introverted, generally speaking. And so to be under the microscope like that was a tough first year. And everybody was critical of everything new that I did. And I didn't, I didn't really care because I knew that the, it would all be okay. It's just, it's just pizza and beer. Oh, I was going to like say, that. so Elevation, I thought Elevation was probably first. They were first before Soulcraft being here, but right. not before Mike. Right. <laughs> you, were, you were here brewing well before they got started then. Right, yep. Okay. That's pretty cool to know. So that's a long history. You're, like, pretty steeped in the, in the craft history of Salida area, which... 
I don't think people realize how much of a great beer town this is. For the size, especially. For sure. It's it's a great, uh, it's just, yeah, it's a great town for beer and uh, spirits and, and wine, yeah. for that matter. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, um, we've had some, some great uh, collaborations over the years, and we formed the Arc Valley Libation Society a few years ago to try to showcase all of us at different events. It's been hard because we're all so uh, just limited by our little bit of time that we have that you know to try to do extra yeah. things it's it's tough to put stuff like that on our calendar but we're, we're still we're still um, an organization and we just haven't done anything in a while so we'd like to so and your but, free time as a brewery owner yeah your free time as, as a business owner period yeah. I think right, it's, right, just right. it's totally true like, so I want to back way up maybe yeah, middle yeah, school like middle school high school a little bit like oh, what, wow. what what did you think you wanted you know that whole question in quotes like what did you want to be when you grew up uh, this is gonna sound super uh, I don't know what it's gonna sound like I, <laughs> I literally told my sister when I was 12 years old that I was gonna be a brewer you I did told, I, told really? her I was going to be a master brewer okay and I think it was because of the Budweiser commercials at that time they literally were using that terminology and the guy would introduce himself on camera I'm a master brewer for Budweiser and this is what oh, I yeah. do and I had a cousin who was, he worked as a truck driver for uh, Miller at the time. And my whole life, he was always giving me swag. So even, I have a picture, <laughs> I don't have it on my phone, but when, even when I was um, in middle school, I would wear a high life hat. And, oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, and so I knew, I knew about <laughs> beer. I had a beer can collection by the time I was 14. And it was mostly just picking up cans from parties at relatives' houses and stuff. They weren't anything exciting. It wasn't a lot yeah. of, uh, not a lot of variation. It was just a collection of cans. And just that smell of stale beer in a plastic bag that's full <laughs> of beer cans. Like, I got familiar with that smell, like, early on. So I almost feel like it was, that was my baptism into it. I'm not sure the smell of stale beer in a in a plastic trash bag is like a great calling card for a craft brewery. Maybe maybe not, but it definitely gives you an idea of okay, this is this is possible. I mean, this is oh, yeah. that's what a bar yeah. smells like. That's what the floor of a brewery smells like yeah. at the end of a day, at the end of yeah. a week of canning. So it's just you know, it's 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 definitely part of it. That was not the answer I expected. Yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I know. Um, I, I think I read something like you didn't go to school to be a brewer, though, right? No. Like you went to school. Didn't you go to culinary school, I think I read somewhere? I went to, so um, when I was, uh, I went. I joined the military out of uh, high school. And okay. I, when I was, I was stationed uh, here in Colorado. And when I was a uh, little guy, uh, we lived in Colorado Springs when my dad was in the military. And we oh, were yeah. stationed at Fort Carson then. So I knew about Colorado. And we, our house backed up to Cheyenne Mountain, and I was always outside. And I always knew I wanted to come back to Colorado. So if you look at my yearbooks from middle school and high school, under ambition, it said to move to Colorado. <laughs> and so I somehow got stationed at Fort Carson myself out of high school, and I would come to places like Canyon City and Salida on the weekends uh -huh. um, just because it was way easier doing that and being outside and having fun. and. Um, 
a buddy of mine had a Jeep, and so we used to travel around the mountains versus trying to hang out in Colorado Springs where, you know, this was before the whole notion of support to troops existed. Right. All the girls hated GIs, and I totally get it. Like, we were 18-year-old idiots, you know, (laughs) with freedom for the first time. Like, let loose on a city with all this, you know, you're in the military, you're all pumped up, and so it's very different. So when I got out, I, I went home briefly and did some college in Vermont, and studied um, uh, invertebrate zoology, uh, which is essentially oh, wow. microbiology. Uh-huh. And okay. uh, then I came back out here and just um, I, I went back and ended up in, in Georgetown in 89. And my first brewing job was with um, Tommyknocker. So, okay. Okay. Or actually, the Silver Plume Brewery. Yeah, which, we were <laughs> like, oh, wait, there's a brewery in Silver Plume? <laughs> yeah, but I did go to culinary school um, right around that time, uh, okay. right in 92 in Portland, Oregon, and that that was what really kind of, I think, kind of cemented the idea that I was going to get into craft beer. I went to the very yeah. first craft brewers conference, and I was in the city when Woodmere Brothers just first started, and um, there was plenty of rogue in bombers everywhere. Bridgeport Brewing was going, um, Full Sail was, they had a small brewery in the city, in, in my neighborhood. They had... Um, the Harborside restaurant, and they, they had a little section called the Pilsner Room, and it was a small um, kind of pilot brewery that they, that John Harris, the guy that um, was the head brewer for Full Sail Forever, um, he operated that, and he wouldn't give me a job for nothing. For nothing. <laughs> and, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. That's pretty cool. That's uh, actually really interesting because Portland's the first town. It's funny. I grew up from about the age of five years old. I grew up in Denver, but Portland is the first town that really opened my eyes to what craft beer could be because I think they were a little first to having more like beer bars that had good craft beer on tap and and things like that where you'd have 50 taps of like really good beer from around the area and stuff. And Denver was still a minute behind that. Not far behind, but, but a little bit behind that. And so, yeah, it's pretty interesting how big of an influence Portland's had on the whole craft beer scene in the in the country, yeah, and all the world. But some of the some of my favorite breweries are there, and you know, for big breweries back then, the they were it was still very wonderful to go. And uh, Bridgeport was a great place because they had a an industrial setting, and they would roll up a couple garage doors, and they had a wood-fired pizza oven and you could go and oh, wow. um, we would roll out of uh, our classes at culinary school and go down there and, and order pictures of, you know, we were ordering pictures of like oatmeal stout and stuff. Oh my gosh. And, and getting, a, <laughs> getting a nice big pizza and sitting at a picnic table and it was super bare bones and rustic, but we loved it. It was, yeah. it was fabulous. So I want to back up just a bit. Okay. So you said that it, when you went to culinary school, that was what made you like really well aware that you wanted to be a brewer. So was it because you knew you didn't like culinary school or culinary school made you realize that you can create and cook in air quotes like beer and well, make I, it just like, you know, culinary school? Or just because you're in Portland. I think, it, yeah, I, think it, I think it was because of Portland. No, I, I, I still, um, I had cooked, um, that was kind of what I was doing before I went to culinary school. I had cooked for a few years and was just getting really good at it and kind of hit the wall as far as what um, Clear Creek County had to offer as far as restaurants went. And I was I was living and working there so I could ski, support my ski habit at right. um, Loveland. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just decided to, to check it out. I just blindly went at it, Did, never been to Portland. Um, and it was very affordable one year school. So I did that and I think it just really was just the, I knew that brewing beer on the outside looked like a cool guy job and uh, 
and I, when I got into it, I realized that yeah, it is. It actually it was. It's not why I stayed with it. I think it was just because it was there's something new every day, and it was something where there was a lot more growth potential. Cleaning in a kitchen versus cleaning in a brewery. It's like well, there's you know which which one at the end of the day are you more satisfied with? And for me, it was brewing beer, um, and it was just it was still brand new back then, and. I tell people all the time, they wouldn't even believe me, especially today's craft drinker. In the 90s, you you couldn't give away a Hefeweizen. Like, it oh, was yeah. like you could barely make anything out of the, the norm and have it be accepted. It was tough to break through. And now all this innovation, it's like you can't be, you can't make something outrageous enough. And so it's, it's funny how it all came around. So what's the most outrageous beer you've brewed? Um, it was outrageously bad. And <laughs> we have a local disc golf club, and uh, I was one of the people that kind of helped uh, get it going. It's in Poncha Springs, actually. And the original name was the High Mountain Air Disc Golf Club. And I wanted to brew a beer to commemorate the disc golf club. So I, I, I bought some, and this is in probably 2003, and I was trying to find some hemp seed to put into a beer. I was going to make a hemp beer. And hemp oils existed, but they were really expensive. And you know, everybody talked about the uh, perils of working with, you know, just pure oil in a beer. And so mm-hmm. I was like, well, let's see if I can get some seeds. So I found a company in Canada, and they were super excited about what I was doing. So they they sent it to me. It got hung up in customs and never got through to me. So they sent it again, and half of it got through. And it's um, irradiated, so it can't like like you can't plant the seeds. But it's it's also ground into a powder. Um, they just really didn't want anybody doing anything with it, um, and plus it's hemp, so it's like it's not even marijuana. No, right. But everybody was super ridiculous about that, and so it basically looked like a bag of dirt when I got it, and it, <laughs> it tasted like dirt. When I, <laughs> and that, but I brewed the beer with it anyway, and I found a, an English hop called Target, and I thought it was appropriate for that whole thing. And yeah, um, my tap handle was just uh, a pot leaf on a, a piece of wood <laughs> and people saw that and they just ordered it and, and people to this day still say it's the best beer I ever made and I think it's the, the worst beer I ever made by uh, far. Will you ever attempt to make it again? Oh no, no. <laughs> I've been asked to so many times and I, I never would. So, But I think that, that that might be the most outrageous in that way and then I'm trying to think otherwise. Um, We've done variations on chili beers that have been kind of outrageous. And so um, as far as what's been available on chili beers, I think the outrageous part comes from just the heat that, mm-hmm. we've, that we've actually put into the beer. It's an uncomfortable beer to drink for a lot of people. But your, then, your green chili ale now is really well known. It is. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. one of your calling cards along right. with like coconut milk stout. And I never wanted to get famous for that beer necessarily, but it's but <laughs> it's late. happened. Yeah, it's happened. But it's so well made. It's like I'm not the biggest chili beer fan in the world, but that's like yours. There's there's only a two or three that I've had that I'm like, oh, I can drink two or three of these and be happy. Or even a full pint is usually off the table for me for most chili beers. Right. Because they do bring a little too much heat sometimes. But yours is pretty Our, well ours will do that sometimes yeah. too. It just depends yeah. because we don't. We've been, I've been using the same uh, supplier, the same, or I should say the same source, the same farm in Pueblo for 25 years doing this beer at other breweries as well. And I've always kind of tried to find the sweet spot in terms of flavor because um, you're looking for both the roasted chili flavor and the heat mm-hmm. to hopefully be balanced. But 
depending on crop year, depending on you know various conditions, yeah. you never know what you're going to get. And, and after 20 years of or 25 years of it, I've recognized that when we get the chilies in, the liquid that comes off because they're frozen, mm-hmm. and when we thaw them, the liquid comes off and it's either green or it's orange. And if it's orange, you're going to have some some heat because those mm-hmm. are chilies that were left on the vine a little bit longer. So you have to constantly change like how the amount you put into the beer. We don't. You we know, just you just roll it. with it. We do. So <laughs> some sometimes we get you know, like twice a year we get batches that are super wimpy, and you know, there's still some flavor there, and you know it's a chili beer, but you're not like, well, that was great because there's nothing yeah. you can really do about it. You don't know how it's going to come out until you've actually infused it with the beer and then with the hot ones it's like you can blend it down if you want to but um it's just always i I ask our locals who enjoy uh, chili beer every day if they want us to you know dumb it down for them they're like no we enjoy the this extra heat once in a while so yeah and they're the ones that are going to be drinking it more consistently and for sure. realize the yeah. difference but it's know. gonna it's not gonna be like i'm gonna sit down and have two or three of those it'll be like i might have yeah. a 10 ounce of that and so those are you know that's maybe like twice a year we would get the super hot ones and, and a couple times a year we get this the, the other one so we're we're going to try to modify our process here soon and see if we can get a little more consistent we were just having this discussion about how we really want to kind of push that a little bit more as our one of our signature things and you know we've um as you as you have pointed out i've gotten known for it but uh, i think we're going to try to get even more known for it might as well go with what's working oh well. yeah oh Erase yeah it. so yeah. yeah why not everybody's People gonna have a niche it. and so that's one of ours and um and it's it's wild because when my dad when we were stationed at fort carson um i don't know if you've ever checked out the pueblo mural mural project that's uh, uh-huh. on the river down there it, it was started in the 70s oh, and wow. my dad used to take me down there and we would watch the original mural artist putting those up in the 70s and so I've always had this connection we used to go to Pueblo every weekend my dad and I did because mm-hmm. uh, that's where his one of his buddies lived who was always it was kind of like oh we gotta go down to so-and-so's place gotta work on the car that was yeah. his excuse excuse to get out of the house <laughs> but it was you know a lot of beer drinking and uh, just hanging out in this guy's garage and I was always the tag along and so to, to keep me quiet, there was uh, some ch- uh, Chinese takeout and, you know, usually a tour of the area where they were doing something downtown. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So as a um, obviously longtime lover of beer and brewing and now you own a brewery, do you still get to brew? I do. In fact, I just brewed last weekend. Awesome. Yep. I, I brewed our one of our newest beers, which we're finally getting with the 90s and putting out a Juicy Hazy IPA. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you also said you were trying to, like, you know, keep your skiing habit kind of alive. Do you skiing, right? I haven't in a while. Okay. Um, just in uh, 30 years of brewing beer, of standing around on concrete and bending, <laughs> lifting, and twisting, uh, I... I Subsequently, had to have both my knees replaced, mm. oh, and wow. so I haven't skied since I've done that. But I'm I've regained full mobility and, and range of motion, so I think I'm going to try to ski next year. Okay, exciting! Oh, cool. yeah. yeah. Well, that's got to be um, that had to have been bittersweet for a long time because you're like 20 minutes away from Monarch Mountain. So it's yeah, I mean, I tried to ski like, regardless yeah. of the pain and all that uh, yeah. that I was having, but yeah, I had no meniscus left, and I was Oof. like my knee joints were completely collapsed, and I was literally swinging swinging my legs to walk and oh. people told me all the time it's it's painful to watch you walk dude and I was yeah. like yeah I know I'm sure so when I see other people that are do, going through that I 
I'm sympathetic and I want to reach out and tell them, just go do it. You know, I, I, I see that. Right I see that in my future. Yeah, that might be in my your knees future. Are starting, your knees are yeah. starting. Like after a couple hours on the board in the mountain, they're just so sore. Or on my bike or like trying to bend down. Like when you're younger, you could just bend down and pop back up. Uh-oh. It hurts yeah. so bad. <laughs> so great when you get the new knees, okay. you can totally do that. <laughs> Bionic knees. I need to be snowboarding when I'm like 80. <laughs> so I'm going to have to have the new knees. Yep. No, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's there's a lot of other therapies you can try before that. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, and all that stuff's come a long way from where it was 20 years ago even, you know. For it's sure. I, I hope that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, beer helps too, right? Vitamin B, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. It well, that's like a little lubricates the joints. And but that's a transition <laughs> into the beer that we're drinking. So I think we should talk a little bit about the beer that we're drinking and make him repeat the stuff that you were talking about earlier at the bar when Mike was pouring us the beer. Sure. Yeah, because so I have the Bontown Brown Ale, mm-hmm. which is it's a very good brown. There's to me sometimes a lot of browns have just kind of this muted flavor. I don't know. I think it's just my palate and the way I look at them because I like the darker heavier beers and a brown this one still has flavor it does we pack a lot of flavor yeah. into that beer and it's um it's not far off of a kitchen sink beer and that we have a ton of different caramel malts in it we have both uh dark chocolate and chocolate malts in it there's biscuit malt in it um we're probably getting a little too complex with it but <laughs> it's um it's also one that we infuse with local uh, cold brew coffee in the summertime and we make mm-hmm. a version of it called joe brown and it's really, really popular in town. Um, but it's, we really wanted it to have a big flavor punch, but also um, enough bitterness and enough hops to where it's not just cloyingly sweet. It's it definitely leans sweet, but we didn't want it to be um, overly no. done. And so we're, it's a it's a fine balance with that beer for sure. It definitely is, yeah. yeah. And you guys are both drinking the Sticky Pills? I was drinking the Hellas. Oh, you're the Hellas, okay. Yeah, and um, but I, I wish I was drinking the uh, Sticky Pills. It's pretty darn good, yes. Yeah, they're very good beers. And that one is, it's, the story with Sticky Pills is this, I was just really inspired when I lived in Golden. Um, I used to frequent uh, the happy hour at the Table Mountain Inn, downtown on Washington Street, and uh, Washington Street or Ford Street? What's the, what's the main drag? That, that's Washington. I think Washington. it's Washington. Yeah, Ford, it's Washington Ford's Street. Coors is. Anyway, uh, that was the, I was living there when, uh, when Coors released the Barman Pilsner, and I oh, had wow. some of the first iterations of that. And I didn't know what they were doing. Um, I knew some of the guys that worked in the pilot plant, but I didn't ever get to ask them about the, the Barman Pilsner. But when it first came out, the, the hop in the nose was so prominent and almost seemed like a hop oil had been added to it to enhance it. Um, and I'm sure I'd never get anybody to admit to that, but it was so wonderful. And the seven minute pour thing is very dramatic. And especially if you're watching them do it yeah. and build that rocky dense head on that beer. I ordered anytime I see it on a menu anywhere. And so I was hoping to train my staff here to be able to do something similar and to achieve something like that. But it's just, we just can't do a seven minute pour here during happy hour. It's just too slamming. Yeah. And so I, heard, I, I, I don't mind uh, yielding to Coors and letting that be my little thing that I enjoy. I heard okay. stories about that with uh, Beerstat. Is for people that don't know, Beerstat Lager House is a pretty infamous now lager brewery in Denver, yeah. and they have the slope slope pour pills as their big calling card. And um, at CBC last year, they had like a pre CBC party there, and everybody in town was there and wanted that slope pour pills. 
and people were saying it was taking like 45 minutes oh to get a beer. Not because it takes that long to pour the pills. Because they had a queue. But they had a queue of, you know, it doesn't take very many people ordering that pour that takes several minutes to pour. Yeah. To like really well, back off to them so, for yeah. sticking to their... Uh, st- sticking to their process. Yeah. <laughs> you got to really want that pour for that. <laughs> but, but hey, cool. And that, uh, yeah, it's happened to but me before with a barman too. You know, you go, and oh, I'm sure, you go yeah. to a busy bar and it's not just a seven minute pour. Sometimes. Yeah. And I would say right there, just that story about the barman pills is that that's what separates Coors from Anheuser-Busch. Mm. The original Coors people, the, the Coors family, I think were craft brewers at heart. You know, they had a big production facility and had to, of course, scale things at a certain level. But they still crafted some really well done beers. And and even Coors Banquet is still regarded by a lot of brewers as an excellent beer and a go-to beer. I I still drink the Banquet myself. And um, we were uh, just up there not too long ago for um, the Ullergrass Festival. And okay. ended up at, at a local bar, and we were drinking banquet, and it it was wild. After drinking craft beer all day, yeah, and being um, fairly ready to be indoors and eating some food, uh, the first sip was just so luscious with uh, with apples, yeah. And uh, we I, we I suggested it to a couple people that I was with, and everybody after, after a while, everybody was like, "Is this is this apple cider? Are we drinking cider?" <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny because like. With the Anheuser-Busch product, or with Budweiser anyway, you get a little banana in the background, so it just depends. Yeah. I think there, there, there's a hint of that in there, but yeah, we were we were uh, all really enjoying that, and those guys are really very gracious. When I was at, at Golden City, the pilot brewers used to come over on their lunch breaks and drink our beer at Golden City, and they were really intrigued by our oatmeal stout at the time, and yeah. they, were, they were always um, uh, offering to let us into their library and stuff like that. Cause really? They, they, oh, yeah, they had so That's much... Cool so much to offer as far as, as far as reference material and they were always you know they 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 were very very gracious yeah. i think yeah. let's give something else but before we wrap yeah. it up i want to know more because there's a really cool story behind the name soulcraft and where it came from oh yeah, so, we yeah. Didn't jump where did that did we? come from soulcraft. well it was it was not the original name of this place okay um we, we were originally called hubbub yep can you say that out in public of course because <laughs> we don't use the name anymore yeah, no, we, we still put hubbub um out there um one way or another we, we either put it out there we'll put like a little knot on it um uh, secretly like do a little print on something with it, it, it's hidden in a couple of our labels um, it's still it's still our legal name. Um, so we, really, yes, it's still our legal name. We just don't put it out as our brand. So where did Hubbub come from then to start with? It, you know, it, honestly, when we started our brewery, it was uh, during the time when everything was everything was surging, and like you couldn't even um, research a beer name or a brewery name quickly enough because everybody was opening a brewery so 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 fast and. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just trying to come up with names that we knew nobody was going to take, honestly, but that we still enjoyed. Hubbub was the play on words, just mm-hmm. so that we could say, you know, our motto would be like, uh, there's a hubbub brewing. And <laughs> so it was, and, and you know, it wasn't necessarily our first choice. We, there were so many things that we wanted to do, but because we did our research with um, some trademark stuff and also just to see who else had registered different names, there were tons of people who... Um, went through and gobbled up names just so they could sell them to somebody to use right. later on. And so um, some of the things we wanted to do or somebody beat us to it. 
and so you you type in a name you think oh, all right we got it and then you type uh -huh. it in and it's like oh they already they just opened like a week ago in <laughs> wisconsin or whatever it would be right so we had to be you know we were threw out a bunch of names and we have quite a few owners um we have 17 owners and we just kind of went by consensus we made a list and we voted and um hubbub was one of the originals and then when we had to change the name um Soulcraft came about. It was just like I was. Um, so wait, before you go there, why yeah. did you have to change it? Well, there was a conflict with uh, Hopworks Urban Brewery in Portland, Oregon. Because and of the HUB. Yeah, because of the HUB, which is oh, their right. acronym. Okay. Yeah. And um, they uh, they didn't like how similar our logo looked to theirs, mm. because we made hubbub into two words and we stacked the word hub over the word bub. And they just thought our hub looked too similar to theirs, which it did. And they didn't like that. They asked us to make it one word. We said we would gladly do that. They weren't, they didn't ask us to change the name, but then we told them that we wanted to trademark the name and they said they would not agree to that. So we decided, well, instead of getting into a fight with these guys, let's just, let's move on. Portland and so, inspires and then dashes you down. Well, no, that, I'm gets, just that gets tough in trademark yeah. too, because especially if you're in the same industry, yeah, that's yeah. where it really gets tough for sure for things that are similar. And we talked to a trademark attorney after the fact, and they they just thought, you know, there's no way you were going to get the trademark either way. Yeah. It just yeah. wasn't going to happen. You so. wouldn't win the fight if you had to go no. that way. Yeah. So and and mm. and you know we were such neophytes when it came to all that. We thought because we were able to register. Um, a URL with the Secretary of State that would, that meant we could have the name that we had the right. rights to. We didn't know what the rules were, and I don't think a lot of breweries do. I think a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of breweries went through a similar um, experience. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then Soulcraft came. Soulcraft really it was just um, I, I was home. I was uh, hanging out with a buddy who um, we I had got my vinyl collection out, and we were. He, um, he, I was gifted a turntable for my birthday one year, and it was a vintage one, and I was dusting off my vinyl, and we pulled out a, a Bad Brains record, and we were listening to it, and it was... And these uh, are plastic things that have music etched <laughs> into them for, for the youngins out there. A lot of people know now, because vinyl's making a That's comeback. That's true, it is making a big comeback now, so I should shut up, I suppose. Yeah, and okay. I should say that the, the proper name of that band is The Bad Brains, not just Bad Brains, because oh. they, were, they were a hardcore band from the D.C. area originally, and then they moved to New York City afterwards, but they, I was listening to a lot of that music um and it just happened to be on a field trip when i was in high school when i was uh, in new hampshire we went to um jamestown outside of dc and there used to be this awesome store there where you could buy like new wave clothing in the 80s it was called commander salamander oh, and next wow. next, <laughs> next door to it was name. a record shop and they were blasting this music and i was like what is this music and i bought my first bad brains record yeah and so i was i think it was 15 and so I really I learned about uh, the hardcore music and, and some more punk rock and I was I always loved that and so yeah the song came on it was a record they put out kind of late in their um, uh, catalog of music and it was when the singer was kind of going through a little bit of a messiah complex and <laughs> but I always loved it I always loved the song and then I heard the words and I said yeah that sounds great for a name and so regardless of the meaning I've tried to suggest that it somehow means you know doing your best and um you know being a good person in the world and good things will come to you the song really is a, a little bit more religious than that i, I should yeah. say and so that was kind of my bullshit story that i came out with <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, it certainly did, listening to that record that day with my buddy definitely inspired me to choose that name and, and to see if it would even work. And it just happened to work just fine. So. I mean, I think many people can have many religious experiences around beer. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, in this area, I think Soulcraft fits really well because, I mean, people here embracing such a, an amazing lifestyle here that isn't about all that much about money and things like that. Most people here are embracing the lifestyle that this, like a hard mountain life brings and the fun that it also brings too, like in the outdoors and stuff, so. Yeah, and this I this place is, um, just the changes, I'm sure you'll see them as you um, continue to visit here, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think the next few years are going to be the most exciting. A lot of people are bummed at how Salida has changed in the last few years. But, I mean, and this is the longest I've ever lived anywhere in one place, mm -hmm. you know. So, for me, it's I've seen a tremendous amount of change. When I first moved here, it was like, I didn't, I saw my first really bad bloody fist fight. I, oh, wow. I was, I mean, I saw some, I, I saw some, like, real kind of Wild West behavior down here. And I just thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> and and, and I, because, like, my, my life in Golden was so awesome. I mean, I was eating good food and going out to live music yeah. all the time and it was really close to everything and it took me a while to kind of to get into Salida and meet some of the characters that made Salida what it is to me and now those people a lot of them have moved on and so it's time for the next round of characters to kind of establish mm -hmm. what Salida is going to be for the next few years and I think there's some super creative very uh, passionate people here um, that are that are really trying to um, I think in, in be bringing a, a good intention to the city again because it needs it. You know, we need to figure out how we're going to survive the housing crunch. How we're going to keep everybody. Um, how how we're going to keep all these restaurants open. How we're, everybody's going to afford to coexist here. So it's, it's tricky. It's yeah, it is, but I, it does feel like there's a strong commitment to that here. Is like trying to grow intentionally and not just let. Girl a big developer come in just yeah. to build a new thing because it's going to bring in some tax revenue because that's not necessarily going to fix everything that need or at least grow the things that need to grow along with the housing and stuff you know oh yeah so so i think um i want to go back and yeah. say to those formative years because it was 15 years old when you listened to the music that yeah. ultimately led to the name right it was 12 when you're like okay i'm gonna brew beer <laughs> so for all those out there listening i don't know maybe Keep that ear open when you're talking about what you want to do when you like air quotes grow up like because yeah. those formative years have a lot of things to say oh yeah yeah I think that's cool. yeah i had no idea what i was what i was going to do once i got here i mean i i really i was obsessed with being in the mountains again and i didn't know what kind of life that would be and i ended up living in one of the smallest mountain towns in colorado for in silver plume for mm -hmm. a yeah. few years and that was that was tough um in so many ways because I mean it's like you go up it's kind of uh, I would imagine like living in Leadville much bigger population but I mean it's tough living in the winter time it's you yeah. don't get a lot of sunlight in the winter time and it's cold and you know it's like it's just it, it takes a special breed to be able to be there but at least Silver Plume was right on I-70 and so you know 20 or gosh back in 89 you could drive from silver plume to denver and share the road with like six other cars all the way there and it was so awesome yeah, sorry people of today yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 the, the cars had real steering wheels and the, the tires were made of rubber not they these weren't horse and buggies we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't right. that long yeah ago. no it wasn't that long ago 
Um, I don't know. Cheers to Soulcraft or cheers to community and um, cheers to Mike. Like, I'm glad that you came here and like persevered through all the hard times when you're trying to live in a mountain town. Cheers to following your dreams and landing in Salida. Oh, thank you. you cheers. Cheers. Can you imagine driving I-70 and sharing the road with just six cars? I was going to wonder. I was actually wondering if you were going <laughs> to ask cannot. me, can you imagine driving I-70 on a horse and buggy? No, I cannot <laughs> imagine doing that. Um, believe it or not, yeah. I, as much as I talk about the date myself stuff, yeah, I'm definitely not dating myself that far back because I know I didn't, never had the horse and buggy thing. Well, actually, that's not true. I horse and buggied you, baby. You're giving me the weird look because I horse and buggied you when I proposed to you. Okay, yes, but I horse and <laughs> buggied you does not sound like anything that, that we should be talking <laughs> to our listeners about. Okay, you need to explain the horse and buggy thing. When we had been uh, together for a while, dating for a while, and I wanted to ask you to marry me, and I wanted to do it something special. And so, like, I knew you wanted to see this play downtown and all that kind of stuff. And so we, I remember making that date. We, like, bought tickets to the play, and, and we are going to go out to dinner. Then I remember, I remember after dinner, we had a little time. Yeah. So they had horse-drawn carriage rides down through the streets of downtown Denver. And I thought that would be kind of cool. That would be a good way to do this. And so I had that set up and you're like saying, no, 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 we can't spend the money. Cause you know, we didn't have a lot of money back then. I was completely almost adamant. Like, no, we cannot spend the yeah, money. You were... But there was something in your face that basically told me to shut up. You didn't tell me to shut up, but there was just something no. that, like, there was just something that I was just like, you should shut up, April. In my head, that's what I was hearing. Yeah. Did you have any idea? No, honestly. You had no idea that no. I might be doing that or no. anything? Not even at that point when you're, like, telling yourself to shut up? No. Okay. <laughs> no means no. no. Okay, I got God. it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm glad that. You finally <laughs> I shut, shut up, up. <laughs> and we got on the carriage ride and yeah, I don't remember like that part gets kind of blurry in my head probably because I was, I wouldn't say like super nervous, but I mean, not, I don't think you were going to say no or well, anything Well, we had like been that. together for a few years already. Yeah. It wasn't like I was worried or anything like that, but I guess it's just one of those things uh-huh. when you get like. You know, it's a big point in your life. It's a turning point kind yeah. of situation in your life where you, I guess, because you make it official or you, whatever you want to call it. But so that was Kenny's how he horse and buggied me. <laughs> okay, now that you say it that way, <laughs> it does sound kind of dirty, and I didn't mean it that way at all. <laughs> but anyway, so do you think that you could ever imagine driving down I-70 with just six cars on the road? <laughs> no, that's why you don't go I-70. For those of you who do know Colorado, you take 285 instead to Salida. Yes. And you do that to go to Brewer's Rendezvous. Yeah, and Beer Fest in July. Hang out with us. Link for tickets on the show notes and on our website. And then, of course, you guys know what's coming. You also have to make your way to North Carolina, October 20th through the 23rd. Got the dates right. July 9th, Salida. October 20th, Asheville, North Carolina. Brevard, North Carolina. 
That's a plenty of time to get from one to the other. It is, and plenty of time to save money for gas because we all know what gas costs. But anyhow, C A M P C A R P E D I E M dot com, the coolest adult camp ever. Yeah, if you want us to shut up about advertising for that, buy tickets, and then when they're sold out, we won't advertise about it anymore. How about that? <laughs> We're actually getting really close. So yeah, because it might Just sell buy, out. So you buy might the be the ones. You might so, be the ones. Anyhow, we'll see you July 9th in Salida. And October 20th in Brevard, North Carolina. And speaking of that, in Salida, I'm backing up again. You'll probably, you'll see Mike, I would imagine, too, from Soulcraft. Oh, yeah, they're going to be there. Yeah, so if you see him, introduce yourself, say hi. Tell him you met him on Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast. Woohoo! All right, subscribe. Kenny, this is your job. Leave us subscribe, a follow. Leave us a review. Actually, the biggest thing you can always do is share this with friends and tell them about this kick-ass podcast, the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure podcast, and tell them to listen. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Cool. And with that, I think we're going to say cheers, cheers to, to the Soulcraft. Cheers to Soulcraft. Bad brains, Soulcraft. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.